Buddhist terminology have a phrase like bhavana which means the general quality of cultivating, making become and we cultivate the uh, skillful and we cultivate the right efforts we cultivate calm, we cultivate loving kindness as cultivations and we cultivate those qualities that help to repel or undercut the hindrances and the afflictions that we can experience this is the ongoing theme so you know, we also have what we call meditation uh, which I'm sort of playing with these ideas because we very much use these words of insight meditation this meditation, that meditation and the uh, difficulty is that it often creates a kind of a fence between or a boundary between how we cultivate in our daily round our speech, our thoughts where we put our attention and um, you know, uh, not really giving this true true value or giving importance because the importance is the bit when we sit still not to say that the bit when we sit still isn't very very important um, so there's a differentiation you know, and what we do particularly in the sitting and in these other forms is we we concentrate or we collect or we gather or we um, you know compose and gather in that's a very important skill to develop when you develop the skills of this there's certain things you learn just about the way that your your mind operates and you're learning how to use the mind or have the mind more collected definitely put put some efforts put some inclinations and just recollecting it what it takes to collect it yeah um, and then so again as I'd emphasize the sense is when we then come into activity we do so with a collected mind there's nothing no mystique about you know meditation zafus meditation halls they they're very useful but also you don't want to just identify practice with these particular setups and equipment you know and scenarios but to go go out to move out to in a collective with a collected mind with a knowing how to collect your mind how to bring it together how to settle it even when you're doing things you learn how to make it a little, little more collected than it was doesn't mean you're going into deep formless states but at least you're not in a spun out state spinning out the mind is just brimming over Mm. so we get more direct directly attending to the energies of the mind directly attending to the behaviours of the mind So to work the mind behaviors, does the mind jump up? Does it run out? Does it dither? Does it wobble? Does it attack? Does it seize? Does it grab? Does it soothe? Does it calm? Does it settle? Looking really at the mind in its forms, its energies, its behaviors. When does the mind jump up? 
when does it run away when does it fall over itself when does it get flustered when does it acknowledge itself when does it calm when does it settle when does it feel happy when does it share Hmm? looking at these kind of behaviours and then what we recognise the mind has all these behaviour potentials in it and some of them just really don't make our lives any easier or any sweeter or any more skillful any more useful and we say well the collected mind actually enhances the good because it just creams off a lot of the scattered fragmented energies and automatically as you collect the uncollected dissolve, not because you're averse to it but because you can't be both collected and uncollected at the same time it's not a matter of repression it's just a matter of if you have something holding your mind into steadiness then it doesn't run out and you start to value that steadiness the even keel so this, you know, this is the, one of the long-term benefits of just developing this in, in meditation, in the meditation period, and, and staying with it. At least having that feel for a keel, an internal steadiness. Uh, mm-hmm. Because then we, when your mind is internally steady, it's actually less thrown around by sense contact by speech because it doesn't run out to those things it's like if you're living on the edge of your nerves all the time then naturally you're more affected if we're living you know in, in, in a more collected state then you're much less reactive it's just basic kind of neurology you might say As we all know, if your person is is uptight, you know, um, tense, jangled, they get reactive, they get snappy. We we can all do that. We're stressed, we're over overdone, we're overtired. We get tetchy, we get reactive. What's happening? It's just that it's like we're living at the edge of our nerves. We say, oh, I just feel really highly strong. I feel sorry about that. You know. And I call it living at the edge of your nerves. You jump quickly. Mm-hmm. And yet you can also be in the same realm, the same environment, and you can be deeply steady. So the stuff doesn't actually keep hitting you in the same way. You don't get the alarm signals running. You're able to let the perceptions and images and sounds and, and noises just wash over. And you've got more choice as to what you pick up and what you just let pass. Mm-hmm. So this is not oblivion, you know, or distaste. It's just basic skill. If you do that, you're going to be more for the welfare of other people as well as yourself. doesn't mean disregarding the world. It means finding a place where you can be more clearly conscious and more responsive to the world rather than reactive to it with collecting very important and uh, people who have cultivated a lot of that gathering up at steadying they say it's like um, 
Mm. Like a deep pool. The ripples may run across the surface, but there's a depth that doesn't get stirred. And you feel, this person is reliable. They're not light. They're not giddy. They're not reckless. They're not swept away. there's, There's a steadying there. Because of that, I feel a great sense of trust. I feel, I feel relaxed. I feel their ease with them. Their sense of, dis- of disengagement is actually a positive sign, <laughs> you know, because they're not going to jump up and run out and get impulsive on the first thought, the first sound, the first word, the first, you know. So there's a steadiness there, and uh, you know. Being able to spend time just really collecting, steadying, feel what it's like, what do you need to do for that? Mm. One of the um, words that's used, and if I'm a bit academic, excuse me, just the words that are very useful, they, they mean a lot to me, and the one of the words that's used uh, in the in cultivation is called papancha. Papancha means roughly complicating or proliferating or diffusing or making much out of little. Mm. And it's sometimes described in this way. You know, one, one is touched by something, one feels something, one gets a perception or an impression. You derive a meaning from what you feel. So you see something you feel slightly awkward and you may get a perception of, oh, perhaps I'm in the wrong place, Uh, maybe I've done something wrong, you know, or they look strange, what's the matter with them? You know, so you get, from just the feeling, this perception is created, and the perception stays, and you start thinking it, produces thoughts and ideas, they start to snowball, and after a while they snowball, and the person is swept away, with the various emotions and snowballs that occur. There's this whole process of getting bowled over. (coughs) It's called papancha. It means the mind creates a huge uh, shower of cascading thoughts and emotions based upon a particular impression. So it's like your button is pushed and suddenly all this stuff comes rushing up. And and it, it diversifies. And the mind's Unity is shattered, is, is, is spun out. One of the early days at, at, at Chitters when a, the house was quite crowded because many of the rooms were just really uninhabitable. I mean, really uninhabitable, like no, like no floor. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the rooms that were habitable weren't really what you call inhabitable because they had. Uh, leaks in the roof, the rain would come in. So the habitable, so you know, maybe be four of us in a room with a bucket to catch the rain or a couple of buckets to catch the rain as it came to the roof and just in sleeping bags. We were like this. There was only one place in the house that had heat in it, which was downstairs in the, called the reception room, which reception was kind of a joke. Um, The only heat source was an open fire so we gather in there in the mornings for our morning gruel which is sort of generally boiled up 
leftover rice boiled into a kind of thin watery porridge of some it wasn't really porridge because it didn't it didn't glutenize it was just like kind of soup with little lumps floating in it <laughs> a cold rice <laughs> and we have tea uh, so we'd, we'd sit there and and, uh, and then we'd come out of these rather crowded rooms have the morning meditation and then you know go into this reception of our business meeting and then one day we no- notice this Anagarika well the Anagarikas was missing he wasn't there seen seen Bruce have you seen Bruce no he he wasn't in the morning puja is he alright I don't know he's not around is he he's not in in the room where three other guys were sleeping he's not there he looked a bit tense last night looked a bit worried maybe maybe he's run away people were often running away from Chithurst <laughs> 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 I've think he'd already run away twice you know. so maybe he's run away oh maybe maybe he's run away yeah. maybe maybe he looking pretty he didn't look very happy at all maybe he's kind of done something really silly and reckless or maybe he's fallen into the pond and then, yeah we should phone the police maybe he's fallen into the pond he's, he's drowning he's drowning he's dead he's, he's lost he's gone you know we really get into a panic about, they were just about to go and phone the police for a manhunt for this and then Garrick was lying senseless in a pond somewhere and then door opened the guy walked in uh, looking a bit bashful and sheepish and rubbing his eyes and oh, oh, sorry I was a bit late and he just uh got fed up with sleeping along with three other guys and crawled off and found another place to sleep in and overslept in the morning (laughs) and yet you know we created this whole kind of thing out of something that wasn't actually there and you realize this is actually happening a lot of the time (laughs) a lot of the time Mm. Yeah. Mm. a lot of advertisements are about creating things that aren't really there impressions of things that aren't really there happinesses that aren't really there vistas of serenity and joy and bliss and that aren't really there a lot of politics is about creating fears that aren't really there they just whip up push a button people start getting anxious, nervous and then they're in that that unsteady state they accept all kinds of rubbish and all kinds of things and their minds aren't clear, focused anymore they'll be led when you throw a mind off out of balance a lot of the time people are particularly juggling with all the possibilities that could be and should be and ought to be done by March and Wednesday and Tuesday and this and that and the other they really want you to get into all that proliferation spin out from the present moment move off to it so you know so it, it's and it's a strong thing and if you follow that habit if you buy into it it's like your thoughts and emotions 
just get whipped up and it's like the mind get the energy of the mind is torn you know this stuff it just tangles and tears you don't have the collectedness you don't really feel you, you, you lose yourself it's like your own awareness your own state of being starts to disappear you're not really with it because you're all, you've got so much other stuff that's going on that you lose the sense of having ground gravity, a keel, a steadiness, a centeredness that your feet aren't on the ground anymore and with that you don't see things as they actually are we're in the realm of possibles and ought to's and the, the virtual realities with a tremendous amount of emotional investment in them this is the process and so we're trying to come out of that to what is directly experienced this is a hallmark of cultivation to directly directly experience it's the hallmark of cultivation collecting is collecting your mind is a way of really certifying to the direct to direct experience because you're actually containing the mind so it doesn't run out it doesn't proliferate it doesn't project Mm. you're collecting it you're restraining those energies you're cooling those energies you're steadying those energies so it doesn't do that and so when we have this opportunity for meditation that's a really important piece of, of cultivation to bring around not because you're going to stay in all day long because for a start it helps you to just skim off all the surplus stuff that we may very well have been in in a day and then you, you get to feel who you are in your collected state oh, I like this, this feels good I feel a lot steadier, a lot saner and how do things look from this position? how does my life, how does my future look from this position? and you sort of suddenly see the wood for the trees Mm-hmm. whereas if your mind is not collected we come into a lot of speculative thought views, doubts pieces of stuff we've picked up about ourselves, about others about what we should, could do, could be ought to be, shouldn't be and it's all emotionally charged so it affects us and it resonates and it rings through us and it gets us going but it's like a spell it's like a magician's spell it's like a you get moved by it but it's a conjuring trick it's like you know where is it? who, who, who is it? where's the ground? in all that so we really to to to, to to sense things clearly to get some clear awareness one does need to blow off the froth and the mist and settle there are two ways in which this uh, proliferation or papuncture process 
because so you can also see it starting up in your daily life and one I would call roughly speaking projection and the other I would call introjection projection is it's you, it's out there and introjection is oh it's me, it's in here <laughs> so we feel many times some uncertainties some, you know and then the 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 interpretation may be the problem is out there or that's a projection it's out there it's what they're doing it's everybody else it's the world and then maybe you feel trapped in that world or or irritated by it or dismissive of it or a a a projection of it's fantastic out there, you know. There's all the good. Everybody else is getting a good thing going. Everybody else is sitting in perfect samadhi, you know. Look at them all, still as still as rocks, blissed out, happy, contented, you know. So we project that out. Hmm? This experience. I was sitting with a a monk during a ten-day retreat. We were teaching in a meditation centre, and this monk, you know, is about four, three or four of us as a quite junior monk and he would, he would tur- he'd come in and sit there and at the end of the retreat people said oh, that monk, he was really impressive so so, so steady, you know, really quiet, steady monk and he said, I just sat there feeling confused most of the time <laughs> but people were kind of, had this projection you know, it's, it's out there you know. so in a way we, we put something of our own mind and we paste it onto other people either adoration, idolization, demonization <laughs> something that uh, different degrees, you know sometimes very intense, sometimes minor and then alternatively it can go the other way there's something wrong with me why is everyone going quiet? So, Perhaps I, perhaps I should be saying something. Have I got the wrong hat on? <laughs> you know, that that feeling. You know, not it's something wrong with these people out there. Something wrong here. You know. And you can see these patterns playing out because a lot of the time when we interact, there are places where there's there's a misunderstanding, miscommunication, or a miss doesn't quite meet. It's quite normal when you consider it really it's unlikely to get a hundred percent isn't it do you expect to get a hundred percent you know immediate contact communication with people you talk to do you think do you expect that they'll just be right there everything you say people will understand immediately do you think that's going to happen every every piece of behavior you do everybody will think oh no exactly i feel really comfortable with that do you think that's going to happen? A bit unlikely, isn't it? So a lot of it is just, what are she's talking about? <laughs> oh, either, oh, she's raving. Or, or, oh, I'm a bit stupid, I'm sick, I didn't quite get that. But really it's just, oh, the words didn't quite work there, let's try again. Nobody's fault, it's just, that's what they do. Words don't always work, it doesn't always happen. We don't always necessarily really get what somebody's trying.
trying to bring across or what somebody's behaviour is really coming from so then we project into it or oh, she's this, that, the other or must well, be something wrong with me yeah. or we project infatuations on other people mm-hmm. very common in, in where you have this jargon in, in the meditation centers called we pass in the romances you know, in complete silence uh, people just move, sitting in silence in meditation halls and they go out and they maybe fill their cup of tea or eat their breakfast and it's in complete silence and actually the silence allows the proliferation to really go on unchecked <laughs> by any actual interaction you know so suddenly you know this person is just so serene so angelic so wonderful so collected so charming so you know it's just she's all right you know but <laughs> so there's also a kind of a, a, a projection there's a hunger to do so there's a hunger to do so some kind of instinctive wanting to place one's you know one's emotional needs or one's emotional distastes wanting to place it somewhere so my longing gets placed on you my wish for you know you to like me or be interested in me gets placed onto you so I'm thinking so these kind of perhaps unacknowledged hungers get placed onto other people project onto other people or the unacknowledged ill will or fearfulness gets placed onto other people I can feel intimidated by other people who are not doing anything (laughs) you know unpleasant or nasty to me I can still feel a quiver of intimidation so you know there's that then these these can then think well there's something wrong with me or something with her or something with him or you know and this this movement of the mind to to turn and to proliferate mm-hmm. sometimes it really spins up big you know you get so and so wants to have a word with you oh my god so and so wants to have a word with you what have I done you know the Ajahn would like to see you oh my god Ajahn wants to see me oh my what's happening what have I done for you but I shape up quick think through my mind did I do did I, did I turn up late did I, do, I, did, I, I forgot to put flowers on his tray I forgot to put flowers on his tray in the morning oh no how stupid could I be I beg his forgiveness you know you go in I'm sorry I'm sorry I'll try the best I can please don't beat me so, oh I just wondered if you had a telephone number for me <laughs> You know, that is, can build up <laughs> how our fears and our worries and our sense of, you know, loss and, you know, these things get proliferated around and we, keep, we can keep playing them out. Mm-hmm. We can keep playing them out so that the old, this old, this is karma, these are sankharas, these are formations. And they're, sometimes they're, they're exactly, I'm exaggerating, they're very obvious, and sometimes they're subtler. I wish, what, what do we expect of each other? 
What do we see each other as providing? What do we feel nervous about in each other? So it can be subtler. And you feel then maybe something happens that seems to touch into one's nervousness or one's expectations and the mind picks up a whole flutter around that and starts thinking about it, moving out on it. direct experience means you, you actually hold that you don't say it's yours or mine you say it's this so here's the flutter, here's the wobble here's the, the tightening, here's the shaking here's the scuttling, here's the you know, reaching out so that you, rather than proliferate, you, you attend to these places where there's the wobble or the push or the shove or the we feel tight, we feel squeezed. Mm. Something that wants to rush out. Something something that wants to bury itself and hide. And you, you attend to that directly. So. This, of course, takes us always back to the Four Noble Truths. This is Dukkha. It's just this. You know, it's not necessarily intense anguish, but it's just this unsatisfied, shaky, ungrounded feeling, sense where your mind is, is, lo- is losing clarity, losing presence, losing composure. The energies are getting split shaken up so right there is the place where we stop right there is the place where we stop and you extend your awareness over that place mm-hmm. and it's an awareness that doesn't proliferate if you want to stop you know you, you see what why the using a word like proliferation, projection, introjection, complication is useful because you know the idea is to just sustain awareness, a non-proliferating awareness. So you don't have to know who, why, what, where, when, because of this, because of that. Just you feel that that sense that you don't proliferate around it. And when you put non-proliferation onto a proliferation. <laughs> proliferation stops it's not because you're attacking it it's just like you know one thing replaces the other so this is, in a way this is how we compose the mind so all those possibles and imaginations of what we should could be whatever, where we're going and all this see that's all that right now you don't know right now that is proliferation so it's just quite simple isn't it it's a sense you start to realise there's a beauty in uncertainty because then you're certain of this and within that sense of collectedness you can see the strands of what is moving you, the very roots of what moves you you start to see oh there's there's maybe the fear element, or the, or the um, lack, the lack of confidence, that quality. 
is the sense of um, um, joyfulness. You know, you see that like you're looking into something. You're seeing the roots of the mental behaviour, and then by not proliferating around it, you hold it very still. And the the stuff that's got no clarity in it, no veracity in it, no ground in it, evaporates. Because it actually is a groundless thing, it's a ghost. So when the light hits it, the ghost melts. Not because of anything that you don't have to, to hit the ghost, it's just the light when you've turned the light on in darkness, the lightness, the darkness goes, doesn't it? So it's like that. We have to be conscious of this, uh, the directness of practice in all aspects. Uh, talked about it in this, this aspect. Also, we start to even proliferate around the very language and the terminology the Buddha is using. So again, we can get very idealistic. Uh, we proliferate uh, in an idealistic way. So talk about liberation, liberation. Wow, you know, liberation right out there. Some so the mind picks that up, and we idealize that. We make an. Uh, something very big out of that of course it is an, uh, uh, incredibly valuable but the Buddha interesting as the Buddha says he says if for one moment you sustain the mood of loving kindness for that one moment you're released from ill will this we call liberation for one moment of liberation so it's not the end of the line you know five lifetimes in the future the curtains draw you are in ignorance and suddenly the trumpets play liberation and there we are it's like you're noticing it liberation is actually every moment so you see there's, there's the bit where instead of that movement out it stops and for that moment you're liberated from that inclination yeah and when we collect the mind and compose it, you experience that that non-doing, that ending, which is a moment, two moments, we like to call it. But you, when a com- composed mind, you feel that, and you get to know that, you get to feel it. It's no longer an idea. It's no longer something to feel intimidated by. So you, you just acknowledge you can't have an experience of of goodwill and ill will at the same time. So when the mind is goodwill, you'd notice there's an absence of ill will. Things mm-hmm. that he said that they call this the liberation of the mind through goodwill. And you notice what's not there. You notice the release. The what it feels like, sort of sense the mind is not pressed down. It feels light, it feels fluent, it feels unconstricted. You feel that, you sense that, you enjoy it. Your awareness sits in that, dwells in it, and 
there's a more deeper lingering in that you collect around that you collect into that so that becomes um, a more deeply felt and sustained sense and in a way that there you, you get that kind of keel that mooring in the quality of goodwill so the, the, the release the liberation may be a finger snap but if you you get it if you notice it and attend to the sign of that attend to that then you can stay in it and you can take heart in it and you can actually you know really know and taste what it feels like and extend it it's not that remote is it for most of us maybe are skipping over these things in a rush to get somewhere else or we are projecting these experiences as remote or far off or something that occurs you know to other beings other than me that's a proliferation there's a a skill in practicing something like uh, you know goodwill metta kindness just to notice when it's present when it's not present and a word like this of course again we can make what does it mean you know we can make something that's very highly charged a profound feeling of of fondness or warmth or so forth or but the bottom line of it is just non-aversion doesn't sound great does it say so I'm sending you my non-aversion thank you very much non-aversion <laughs> I felt a huge wave of non-aversion to you today <laughs> we like things like I felt really you know very strong sense of deep love and affection and loving kindness for you um, doesn't always happen like that I, you know depending on your your own emotional makeup I find non-aversion is a, is a lot more accessible uh, you know as at least a basis and it's not as kind of as me as as flimsy as it might seem it means that one doesn't find oneself kind of retracting where the heart feels nervous or retracted so it's that non-movement away yeah. and it's a non-contracting around oneself or what one imagines or senses oneself to be a non-contracting around feelings the non-contracting fearfulness defending oneself withdrawing from feeling negative towards feeling dismayed by mental states it's the non-doing of that and when you consider the, you know, the, the carrying that out in breadth rather than say a huge emotional charge just carrying that out in subtlety and in breadth across the whole the world realm of one's experience then that non-doing is in fact a very profound release and a great weight of the mind how much of the time is something defending us or tightening up or do we feel some quality of disappointment and dismay or even downright aversion towards ourselves or we feel offended by others 
or you know, so you just see that then you see so you can then practice like that you try to get a feeling for just the feeling your own body feeling what it feels like with no contraction in it no tightening up no it's not an idealistic thing it's just feeling the sense of may this be well and we directly relate to the experience of the body rather than think about it feel it out just like it's a living form and the image can be of a mother with a child sense of some sense of you know looking after it care for it and then when you listen to your own feel your own mind states what's it like to have a mind that can be so so shaky and so reactive you think well this thing needs a bit of looking after doesn't it You know, I mean, you can do a lot of damage with this thing. Let's, let's just look after it. So, because you're not, you're not adoring it. It's not an idolization experience. We're infatuated and delighted with it, but you're not averse to it. <laughs> you, you know, you're taking away the sense of, oh, why don't you get it together, you idiot? You know, when are you ever going to be this? You know, you, you're removing that and just the sense of, oh, may this be well hold this in the sphere of kindness and similarly when you have difficulties with other people so sometimes it's useful in your meditation when you want to practice that you consider people who actually bring up a feeling of you'd like to be with them a little bit more interested in them and you just, just keep the spaciousness just feel the sense of, of uh, warmth hmm? and don't proliferate around it admiration, respect so that you can sense oh I feel very open and and relaxed with that feel happy with that and then perhaps you can consider someone you feel less positive about and it's perhaps a little bit more ambivalent a little bit more guarded and then well if the person say is at the end of the drive how do I feel? No, it feels oh yeah. As soon as I see them, I think oh, oh here she comes. <laughs> I think, no, no, well, okay, we'll just step back. Right, let's start again. <laughs> right now, you see the end of the dress, just just the figure at the end of the drive. You know, that's all it is. You don't have to create all the history. You don't have to project all the memories. It's just the person, and then you just let them walk closer in your mind. And you can feel how your mind states change, and maybe there's a point when you say, "Well, that, that's about it right now." After that, I just start getting too reactive. And then, well, may you be well. If we find some way, some distance, some sense in which we can not be reacting, feeling antagonistic antipathy. Or you look for particular features, so that the particular aspects of a person's behaviour that really push your buttons. You say, well, let's not look at that one. Instead, let's attend to this other aspect of their behaviour or aspect of their condition that instead makes you feel more compassionate. 
or more admiration like you know she's a lousy cook but she does good flowers you know it's nice flowers. lousy cook but good flower arrangement or she's a useless absolutely useless mechanic but um, she cooks great pies or he's a hopeless totally hopeless manager but gives nice talks like that, so you don't. You shouldn't look at the thing. You feel exasperated or frustrated, and instead you pick up the other side. Because actually, they're just both aspects of behaviour. None of them is really a true self. Um, so that you can start to see people in other ways, ways that help you to find a place where you're more settled, more composed, more collected, and you're more. Um, Rested, your mind isn't continually having to defend or worry or get tangled up. It's a simple strategy. And particularly at the end of a day, this is really what you want to end with, what you want to complete your day with, putting things to rest. sense of whatever you know any person's been afflictive to me today or disagreeable to me today let me not carry that resentment or grudge let me think well I wish them no harm anyway I can be someone who doesn't wish them any harm and have sympathy for their karma their actions we reflect that we may die tonight we don't want to go with a mind of grudge and ill will we reflect they may die tonight and we'd like to feel we weren't feeling enmity towards them when they passed away so we, you know, this is the way you, you, you reduce this, this churning mental activity you learn how to compose and collect the mind A composed and collected mind acts as a tremendous refuge and resource when your own, when you're challenged with pain, when you're challenged with disease, when you're challenged with bereavement, and how in those particular times and places, the mind can just kind of really lose it in panic and fear and grief. Yeah. And the, it's not the one should not feel anything, but that we hold the feeling carefully, steadily you know, the concern the sense of sadness Mm. so then if you hold it clearly steadily with composure without trying to fix it get rid of it it moves through you more, more completely and it can pass, it can be discharged. One of the big um, proliferation tendencies is the fix-it tendency. Mm. Uh, something's wrong, so fix, do something, make something happen. Do something, make something happen to fix it, to make it change. And perhaps the first thing we need to, to know, we need to realize or need to practice when we get to when we have that kind of instinct is the first thing to do is to do nothing just do nothing for five seconds let the first 
wave of impulse pass, the first flush of intention, let that pass. You know, know that, that inclination, that instinct, know that, that rush, let that pass, come back to it again. Mm-hmm. So you don't get that knee jerk. Say, and then the actions that you carry forth from that place you're carrying forth using the resources of a collected steady mind with benevolent intent and things are going to be as good as they can be